This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 386 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, TotalSaddleFit.com, and Horseware Winter Grooming Bed. Today we have a show dedicated to the Charlotte Dujardin Clinic held last week in Toronto. We're going to talk to Nancy Stanton and Tina Irwin about their experiences riding in the clinic. And of course, we have the Total Saddle Fit Trainer Tip of the Week. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with just Reese and I. We have no I producer. Am. We're on our own. We're, we're we're getting wild and crazy. Are by ourselves. I know. We, we haven't There's been no. left to our own devices for a while, Phil. Oh my lord. I know. Yeah. And I'm I super we'll excited. Okay. We're we're rec- actually recording early this week because you and Meredith are coming down to visit Travis and I. We're so looking forward to your visit on Thursday. So we're uh, I, and I'm I, I'm I'm already stretching for my lesson on Friday morning. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Yeah, you've only precious. got me for one day though. So uh, I know, only yeah. get you for one day. So with my precious, we're heading. Day. Yeah, we're heading down to um, Nashville. We thought we'd check out the Nashville music scene and just all the stuff that's going on there. We we Mary and I need a weekend away. Basically, that's, that's <laughs> I know. Really and long in the sort of it away. Yeah. So provide uh, a place to sleep and uh, hang out with you guys. And I'm jealous. I I've actually never done that in Nashville's three hours from our house. So, uh, but I'm so looking forward to having you both visit. And so we're a little bit early with our, uh, with our show. And, and uh, I am so happy about this show. I, I was really bummed. I wasn't able to come. I've just been traveling too much. I, I really had to stay home and get some work done here. So I wasn't able to come to the Charlotte Dijardin Clinic because everybody knows how much I love Charlotte. Um, and I was so bummed though, but it looks like you guys had a blast. Really? Great time. And I have to tell you, Reese, I actually shook her hand and talked to her. So if you want, I won't wash this hand until I see you. Yeah, touch me. (laughs) Oh, she sounds like just as lovely in person. It was really lovely. And uh, Scott Hayes, SH Productions, put on just a wonderful weekend. I don't think it got a bad review from anyone anyone ever, you know, that I've talked to at all. Um, Educational and... And really fun to catch up with some people I haven't seen in a little while. And I, I mean, and it was super well attended. I just thought, what a, what a wonderful weekend that we had. And the weather was nice. And yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I am so jealous. But you're going to hear some great stuff from the from the show today. We've got um, we, Nancy Stanton and Tina Irwin, both sides of the spectrum. And uh, Nancy had a four-year-old and Tina had an FEI, very well-established FEI horse now. So super fun to have them both on the show. So I think we will get started. Uh, and right after this commercial break, we have a Kentucky Performance Product Tip of the Month with Karen Isberg. I hope you enjoy. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. 
This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. And once again, I get to do the supplement segment here on the Dressage Radio Show with Karen Isberg from Kentucky Performance Products. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you, Jen. It's a beautiful day here in Kentucky. What's it like down there? It is fantastic. The weather has broken. It was cool and beautiful this morning when I went outdoors. Fantastic. Oh, don't you love it? We had a horse show this weekend, and it was just so nice not to be 107 in the shade. I was very happy. <laughs> it's a, it's such a relief when it, the weather gets to that point where the sweat's oh. not dripping into your eyes anymore. Yes. It's a fantastic yes. you just thing. And you don't realize how oppressively hot it was until you have one of these beautiful days where it's just cool and the sun is out and yeah. the horses are happy and it just is wonderful. Yay. I love it. Yay. And, <laughs> and guess what? Winter is right around the corner, and once winter rolls around, and it's going to get here faster than we think, everybody's going to be freaking out because they need to get weight on their horse, they need to get more uh, fiber into their horse, and today's topic, beet pulp, is something that's going to be on everybody's mind very shortly. Exactly, and it, you know, you can use beet pulp in multiple different situations, and that's why I end up talking about it a lot, so oftentimes, I mean, I'll be talking to somebody on the phone that has an easy keeper that needs some supplements and they're like, but I don't feed them anything. You know, I don't feed them any grain. What am I going to do? And that's when I recommend beet pulp. And then on the flip side, if you have a hard keeper um, that, you you know, you just have a lot of trouble getting enough calories in, then you can use beet pulp to add additional fiber as an energy source, especially if you're dealing with low quality hay, if there's hay shortages or things like that. So it's, it's, um, it's a great product to use. Um, It has a lot of different uses. Um, Real quick, beet pulp is a byproduct of the sugar beet industry. It's the pulp that's left over after the sugar has been removed. Um, It's easily fermented or broken down by the microflora in your horse's hind gut, and that's why it contributes um, energy to the horse. And it contributes energy to the horse, to the horse itself, and also to the microflora in the gut. So you're doing, you know, you're, you're servicing two digestive tracts at that point, the, the little microbe and your horse. I so didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't yep. know that it That's fed why the, it's the guys. super fiber. Aha. Uh-huh. Yep. So a pound, now whenever, when, when one is measuring beet pulp and saying, how much, feet, how much beet pulp do I give my horse? It's always measured dry. So when somebody says your horse should have a pound of beet pulp, you measure it out a pound of dry and then you rehydrate. Now, a lot of people say you daresn't feed beet pulp unless it's been rehydrated. Where do you stand on that? That has been proven to be false. That's just an old wives' tale. The old wives' tale goes because people saw how much moisture it absorbed mm-hmm. in the bucket. They think, oh, you put that in your horse's stomach, it's going to absorb all the moisture, and your horse's stomach is going to pop. And that's just not true. So it doesn't work that way. It moves through the gut, and as it moves through the gut, it picks up moisture. And as it moves through the gut, it's it's quickly digested, and it's not a problem. So you can feed it dry, or you can feed it soaked. Now, some people also are concerned with choke. Um, and, you know, they'll say, oh, you can't feed it dry because it'll cause a horse to choke. But just like anything, choke is um, caused by a lack of lubrication, um, 
in between the mouth and the stomach. So if you have a horse that eats too fast, then he doesn't have enough saliva to lubricate the food as it goes down the trachea, or not the trachea, the esophagus. Uh, or if they, you know, they're not drinking enough, if they're an old horse that has an issue um, and it's not chewing things well enough, then that stops it from moving down the esophagus. So if you have a horse that you've had issues with choke or if you're worried about that, then just add some water to your beet pulp. There don't you worry go. about it. There you go. So everybody talks about using beet pulp as adding calories to their diet. How does it compare to a pound of oats or a pound of hay calorie-wise? Okay, well, the digestible energy is 1.3 to 1.5 megacalories per pound. So that's the digestible energy number. And that falls somewhere between alfalfa hay and oats. Oh, very interesting. Right there in the middle. It's, um, it's about 15% fiber. It runs 8 to 10% protein. But it's not a good source of lysine. And lysine is the first limiting amino acid in a horse's diet. In other words, proteins are made out of amino acids. They're like the building blocks. And you have to have certain amino acids to make a protein. And lysine is one of the most important ones. So it's very important that a horse has enough lysine in their diet. So if, you're, if you have a young horse, then you want to be careful if you're feeding more than three pounds of bee pulp a day that you add some lysine to the diet um, because bee pulp is not a good source of lysine. For most of your older horses, if they're getting any kind of a concentrate and they're getting hay, they're getting enough lysine. And you don't feed more than three pounds of bee pulp a day, then you don't have to be concerned about it. Um, you know, bee pulp doesn't have a lot of vitamins in it. Um, it also uh, is high in calcium and low in phosphorus and selenium. So again, you want to stay around that three-pound mark. If you feed more than three pounds a day of beet pulp, you want to make sure you um, balance that ration with a ration balancer for vitamins and minerals so you don't run into problems with imbalances. So I'm seeing a lot of a lot more feed companies using beet pulp as one of the major ingredients in their feed concentrates. And whenever you use beet pulp that way, the feed company has taken care of that balancing act, hasn't it? Absolutely. Yes, yeah. they do. The feed most of your concentrates are are called fortified concentrates. So uh, a nutritionist has looked at that and they have balanced that food, that feed stuff. So they put in whatever ingredients they have, like uh, oats and beet pulp and soy hulls and other good things for your horse, and then they add what they call a balancing pellet to it, which has the vitamins and minerals needed for the horse. As long as it's fed at the, at the correct rates, then you'll get the vitamins and minerals you need. So is that's kind of the basics of beet pulp. Is there anything else we need to know about beet pulp? Well, just a couple of, of fun facts. Um, fun facts. Well, I love fun facts. Yeah, when you're using hay to replace beet pulp, um, calorie-wise, it's basically one to one and a half pounds of hay per every pound of beet pulp. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. And you can replace some of your hay with beet pulp because beet pulp is a super fiber. But you don't want to replace it all, obviously, because you can't feed enough. And two, because your horse needs a certain amount of long stem fiber in their system. Um, we already talked about beet pulp can be fed dry or soaked. Um, it, you add, when you go to soak it, you add two times as much water as the beet pulp and you let it sit. It can sit for 15 minutes or it can sit for up to two hours. If you use warm water, the water will be absorbed faster than if you use cold water. 
but you don't want to use hot water because that will decrease the nutrient value. Interesting. Didn't know that. Cook it. Yeah, didn't that's, that. that's no, no. You don't want to cook it. And then once it's once you can soak it in the winter when it's cold, you can leave soaked beet pulp sitting out for about twelve hours before you, it starts to ferment. Um, but in warm conditions, you have to be really careful because it'll ferment and it, mold much quicker. Yeah, I, f- I found that and out. You're in Florida, yeah. so you know. Yeah, we don't let it, we don't like to let ours sit out more than about two hours um, yeah. during the daytime here. And one of the things we did uh, when I lived in Massachusetts, I had about 40 horses under my care. And the horses were only there in the winter because they were fox hunting horses. So everybody got beet pulp every day. And what we did was take a big five-gallon pail and drill it full of holes so it essentially created a sieve and we'd fill it with beet pulp about halfway because of course it expands and we'd fill it then we'd fill that with water and we'd set it inside of an old refrigerator that was in the feed room and we took all the racks out of the refrigerator so it could sit inside and uh, then in the morning we'd do it in the evening in the morning we'd take it out and take take it across the hallway to the wash rack pull that sieve out and set it on the ground let the water run out of it and then feed it and then start the process anew at the end of the, so in the evening that same bucket would be filled up again. And it worked out really conveniently to feed a huge amount of beet pulp to all these horses. Um, yeah. And had it all ready to go. It's all ready to go. Fluffy and light and soft after it's it's soaked in all that. Yeah. And it, and it, um, it was easy to do and it didn't ferment because it was inside of a refrigerator. So even if it was warmer, it uh, it stayed fresh, but you're I I totally get it with a, with the fermenting thing that can happen in a heartbeat. So if you uh, yeah. if you've been soaking beet pulp and you op- and you take the lid off of it or you stick your nose in there and it smells a little bit like uh, beer, mm, don't use that. Mm, don't feed it. No. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Absolutely. And for people that have um, sugar sensitive horses, they want to get the sugar free beet pulp without molasses in it. That's important. I think most people use the sugar free anyway now. Um, you know, if you have a horse that's picky, you can feed some molasses to them. It's not going to hurt them as long as they're not insulin resistant or really susceptible to starch and sugars. That's fine. It'll help them eat it. But most people like to use the sugar-free. See, I, I get the and regular of course, kind. Yeah, and if you're, <laughs> if you are adding supplements to it, which is, which is one of the main reasons I recommend beet pulp is, again, like I said at the beginning when we first started talking, is, you know, you don't want to feed your horse a, a cup of grain. They're not getting anything from it. It's not enough to give them vitamins and minerals. So you need something to put your supplements in. You know, you need something to put your microphase, your vitamin and mineral pellet in. You need something to put your Caraform hoof and coat conditioner in. Well, then you mix up some beet pulp. You mix it in it's just before you feed it. You don't want to let it sit in that moisture because that tends to break down vitamins and minerals. It's not particularly good for, well, especially the, the vitamins. And then you feed that to your horse, and he'll just be happy. And you'll know that the beet pulp is um, helping his hind gut to remain healthy and that you're giving him some calories, and you're getting your supplements in all at once. There we go. A great solution to carry your horse's required supplements into his tummy happily and safely. Yes. There we go. Well, thank you very much, Karen. For folks who have even more question marks floating around above their head than they did before, how can they find KPP or Kentucky Performance Products? Well, they can go on there on the uh, World Wide Web there and go to kppusa.com. We have a really great blog called Tips and Topics that just has tons and tons of articles about all kinds of things on it. If you don't find what you're looking for there, you can call us uh, 8 from Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, 
at 859-873-2974. We can answer your questions there. And then you can always visit us on Facebook. We put up lots of posts, and you can leave us a Facebook message, and we'll get back to you there. So several ways to get a hold of us. There we go. Well, thank you very much, Karen, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. It was good to, good to talk to you today, Jennifer. Well, our next guest is Nancy Stanton. She is a USDF bronze, silver, and gold medalist and trainer from Northeast Ohio. And she's here to talk with us about her wonderful young horse, High Voltage, and his experience at the Charlotte Desjardins Clinic in Canada. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. We're happy to have you. So I have loved this young horse. I, I was lucky enough. I got to see you guys uh, last year this time. He was a three-year-old and uh, mm-hmm. he's just a fancy guy. So tell us all about this young boy. Oh, let's see. I bought him about a year and a half ago from High Valley Hanoverians down in Georgia. Um, he was unbroke. He'd had a saddle of bridle on him, but I wanted to be the first to sit on him. So we broke him last year and kind of played with him, took him to that Christine Trower clinic where you saw him, um, and then have been showing him this year. And I just, I love this horse. He's the love of my life. He's so much fun. And he is a looker. I'm just saying he's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure about all the white, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm okay with it now. I, I got a stock in Quicksilver, so I'm okay with all the white now. Yeah, and if you really don't like his look, you can just drop him off at my farm. I'll take him. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's what a lot of people keep telling me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about um, kind of leading up to the clinic and, and what it was like to be in Canada. It we was had awesome. a blast in Canada. Yeah, yeah. I, I love yeah. Canada. It was I, awesome. I love Canada. <laughs> oh, my God. We had so much fun. Um, one of my clients put the whole thing together. She found it online. I had nothing to do with it. Um, she did the bio, the video, everything. Um, and I just, all summer long, she kept reminding me, get your passport renewed, get your passport renewed, which of course I ignored her because there's no way they're going to pick a dopey <laughs> four-year-old. And, oh, about three weeks before the clinic, I got the notification we got in and I still had no passport. Oh, so, that's bad. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was a week of rushing around getting that together and, and expediting a passport. Because, you know, why would I think that they would pick him? Um, <laughs> we found out they had, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we found out they had over 200 applicants for the clinic. Wow. So I was like, yeah, I was like, holy crap. And they picked him out of all the horses. Wow. So I was That's- really excited about that. Yeah. So what was it like to sort of trailer a four-year-old in Canada? I mean, that's a huge trip. With him, it's easy. He's a piece of cake to trailer. He's a great traveler. Um, going to Canada, into Canada, we had no problems um, at the Canadian border. Coming home, we didn't realize, because I'd never trailered a horse to Canada, didn't realize you're supposed to stop at the border and get some paperwork filled out. And um, coming home, they threatened to confiscate my horse, and I told them if they did, they'd have to get me with him, and I was very high maintenance. So they were like, yeah, just let these girls go home. Just get them out of here. Just get them out of here. Oops. Was that true, Phil? What what paperwork do you need? Well, we always have trouble with, you know, getting into America. I mean, they're very sticky about the, yeah. about all of these things and the and the sign, oh. you know, everything that needs to be signed and stamped and yes. and, and yes. triple carbonate or whatever they used to call it. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. Oops. It's a pit, and then, yeah. And I didn't realize you were supposed to stop on the way there and get like a 
1490 form or some form that yeah. they're supposed to have. I didn't know. We didn't know that. And the guy is like, where's this form? And he's giving us this hard time. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. We didn't get the form. <laughs> That's we why we normally just ship them professionally because they know what they're doing and they just sort of do everything yeah. for you. You know, you get your vet to sign the health certificate yeah. and then, and then the, the, the yeah. shipping companies sort of, they know they how know to, to stop at the border. Everything. Yeah. 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 They would have so. stopped at the border. Like, unlike we did. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. They're, I mean, it's, it's government yeah. stuff and they're always, you know, sort of changing the requirements or adding a form or not having this form. And it's very hard to figure out because, I've had um, people, you know, like experiences where they've actually called before they go over just say, you know, okay, we want to have all our ducks in order. And then when they get there, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's totally different. And it's okay. like, it, yeah. just, it just seems like whoever, you know, whoever you're talking to on whatever day is, you know, they are deciding what the rules are and which forms you need. So that's always yeah. been a problem. Got yeah, it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So but that's, that's good back, to know. So that's okay. You, you're back in. So you're, you're in good shape. <laughs> Yeah, we go back. <laughs> so what was it like? What was the clinic like? The clinic was awesome. Um, she was so nice. Um, we got to ride with her for like 10 minutes the day before. Uh, she got to know the horses a little bit and kind of get a feel for what everybody was doing. And originally, I was supposed to ride separate. There were two. They thought, for, I don't know why, they thought he was a five-year-old. There was supposed to be a four-year-old and a five-year-old. And I'm like, no, he's a four-year-old. And the other four-year-old was much greener. Um, So she decided to put the two of them together to kind of let them save each other, which was a good thing because the other four-year-old needed him. Yeah, that was a good idea. around the ring. That was a good idea (laughs) because yours seemed pretty confident and experienced, but the other was not. And so, yeah, I mean, to put them together, that was really good. I mean, the the whole format of the clinic was, was, I thought, was pretty super because they... Started with a four-year-old. Yours was supposed to be five, so but then yeah. they have a six-year-old, and then you know, sort of a um, second-level horse, and a third-level horse, and then you know, they did all mm-hmm. the way up through the levels um, to a developing Grand Prix horse, and then a you know, mm-hmm. a seasoned Grand Prix horse, and and then uh, at the very end, she rode um, mm-hmm. Renaissance Time, which is owned by Evie, yeah. owned and shown by Evie Strasser, which um, Charlotte had ridden in. Uh, in New York the year before and done a yeah. demo ride. So she sort of knew that horse. So it sort of all culminated, yeah. you know, on the second day to, uh, yeah. to seeing uh, Charlotte ride. So I thought that was a really great format idea. And I did it seemed too. to work out. Yeah. And then, and then the two four-year-olds going together was awesome, you know, because yes. one got to have a break and the other, your horse got to, you know, you got your instruction and then, yes. you know, the, the, the young guys got lots of breaks because you were doing sort of a semi-private yes. situation. So yes. I just thought it all worked out really well. I thought it did too. I thought it worked out really well. And, um, the two of them, cause like when mine would get a little nervous, he would look at the other one and he'd be like, Oh, okay, we're fine now. And the same thing with the other. And I thought that worked out really, really well with the two young horses together. And it was a cool format, how she, each level and each horse, she like built down from the horse previous session and okay. introducing her different exercises. I thought it was really cool. So what were some things that you guys worked on with the four-year-olds? What was her big shtick with that? Forward. Lots of transitions and forward. Um, she doesn't like to do a lot of sitting trot on the young horses. Um, I, I've gone back and forth because I've worked with some Germans who are like, oh, they're, you know, they're broke, they're strong, sit on them, go. 
And so that was always kind of my mindset. And she was like, no, get up off their backs. And a lot of rising trot. I mean, I think she was even doing a lot of rising trot with the, um, like the, up into the pre-St. George horse, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, I thought there, yeah, there was a couple of horses that were a little sticky in the back. And, and so yeah, uh, she did uh, she did some half pass in, in rising trot and that, Help the particular mm-hmm. horses to just be a little freer and a little bit more forward and yeah yeah I think you know that's I think that was the overall common theme is to you know take a risk on the horse and and ride it forward yeah. and 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 yeah. worry about the little things and the details later especially with the later. young guys I mean yeah. you don't have to ride them that yeah. everything's perfect right so no that was good and and that worked no, really well like, with with your horse I thought you know sort of freed him up a little bit and showed a little yeah. more expression and more movement and. Especially when they're a little bit nervous, right? I mean, you know, you want to oh, get yeah. them going. Yeah. So yep. that was that was really nice to see. Yeah, that was really nice. And well, and even some of the like St. George horses, where she was yelling at them to be the people to be braver and like go to get them just out in front of the leg and just and then she would bring them back and collect and you'd see all like you said all, so much more expression out of the horses and that was really neat to see. That's cool. That's fantastic. And how did mm-hmm. he handle the venue? It sounded like it was a really tight venue. He handled it great. Um, the only time that I actually thought that I might have an issue is one time when she had me, when we had taken a break and we had first picked up the canner and he was like, I'm tired. And he was like doing this slow motion canner. And she even commented, she's like, that is the slowest canner I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was just like, I'm cantering nice. I'm just gonna canter like this. And I'm like, no. trying, you know, I'm trying not to put any kick on, and I'm trying not to beat him with the whip because she's like, stop using the whip, kick him. And I'm like, oh, he's not even responding anymore. He's tired. And so I'm like, oh my god. So she she started clucking through the microphone, and I think it sounded like some people started clapping behind him, and he took off and scooted. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. He's gonna start bucking. I'm going to come off in front of all of these people. Mm-hmm. And he did it. I cut this head up and I stopped him. And she's like, why are you stopping? And I'm like, oh God, I don't want to fall off. I really don't want to fall off. That's what went through my mind. <laughs> I'm sure everybody else was like, why is she stopping? She's finally galloping. And I'm like, oh, I just got to stop and regroup. I'm going to fall off. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, uh, he was really brave because considering the circumstances, so they had a 60, a 20 by 60 set up and then all the way around, they had put yeah. um, the VIP tables. Yeah. So there were, mm-hmm. there were 50 VIP tables surrounding the entire ring. I, I'm sure you can imagine what that seems like. And they a, were, I was guessing they were what, like 10, 12 feet from the ring. They were pretty close to far. the ring. They were not very far. No. I guess they want to give people a great vantage point, but I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One. You know, maybe not a great idea with the younger guys or, you know, if a horse was... Because the one, that one young horse, well, yeah, that well, that one, the other young horse, when he didn't want to make the turn in the canner, it was like, oh, God, he's going to take up those people sitting in those tables right there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, yeah. He didn't want to turn. Out. He was it trying was to turn fine. in the canner. Yeah. Yeah, he oh. would turn at the last minute. And even Charlotte's like, oh, boy, I wouldn't want to sit in that table right there. Thanks. Great. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So what is your plan with high voltage this coming year? What's the kind of the, what's the next stage with him after the clinic? Um, I want to keep working. I the trot that she got at the end of the clinic. It's I'm like, okay, I've got to, I've got to figure out how to do this. Um, she had, cause she had got him so engaged in his front end up and starting to develop this expression, which his chart doesn't have the big expression like some of the others. But so, but anyways, I want to, 
I might do this five-year-olds with him next year. I'm not sure yet. Um, probably second level. We'll see how strong he gets. Maybe play a little bit with third level. He's thrown out some flying changes on me when I've like messed around. So I'll just see. I'll just play by you, whatever he feels like as we develop and go on and go so. from there. Well, we can't wait yeah. to keep our eye on you guys. And Nancy, how do our listeners find you online? Um, I have no website, of course, because I'm not that technically savvy. But they can email me at Ravel97 at Gmail. It's R-H-A-V-E-L-97 at gmail.com. Fantastic. Or they can call me. Yep. Yeah, or they can call me at 440-567-3057. Either one. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences. That was fun. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I appreciate it so much. We had such a great time. I would do it again. I mean, she's awesome. And just watching her ride, like those last, watching her ride Evie's horse was amazing. She's an awesome rider and trainer. She had such great ideas. It's like, I got to keep remembering all of this. <laughs> well, good. That's good to know for everybody that can go and see her. Thanks so much, Nancy. Yeah. Thank you so much. Right after this horsewear winter grooming tip, we're going to come back with Canadian uh, superstar rider Tina Irwin. This winter grooming tip is brought to you by Horsewear Blankets. Joining us are two of the top grooms in the country of Enter Philip Dutton's groom, Emma Ford, and Cat Hill from World Class Grooming. Our horsewear winter grooming tip of the week is brought to you by Emma, and we are talking about prepping for winter clipping, which a lot of people have to do. And we're, we live in Florida, so I end up clipping my, my pony twice a year. So talk to us about preparing for it. Okay, well, if you're in Florida, you're very lucky. You probably can get to wash your horse before you clip all the time. So this is more for people that are in the colder climates and don't have the luxury of um, a nice heated wash stall. Or maybe some, some, a lot of barns don't even have heated water. Um, so this is just a helpful tip on how to best prepare that coat ready for a nice clean clip and hopefully uh, as few track lines as possible. Um, first of all, you want to make sure you carry your horse really, really well to lift up any um, dirt and debris that's lying um, at the bottom of their hair. And then um, you can actually use our winter washing technique, which um, is toweling off with um, a damp rag that's been soaked in a bucket of warm water that has detergent and a bit of baby oil in. Um, This helps, again, to lift off that dirt that you've um, brought up to the surface from your very, very good curry. Um, When the horse um, is completely dry, you can then go to your witch hazel and wipe them over, and that's another very effective way of lifting up um, as much dirt as possible. Um, again, I'd rather use the witch hazel as opposed to rubbing alcohol just because it's more um, not so tough on the horse's skin and it doesn't dry it out. Um, and then finally, right before you start clipping, you can add a very um, light um, finishing spray such as Magic Sheen to aid in your clipping so that the clippers can glide through that coat pretty easily and uh, make short work for you and hopefully have a 
nice clean clip at the end of it. Very good, Emma. And of course, after they're clipped, they can wear their horsewear blankets. That's what you're going to need that because it's chilly and they're naked. Well, Emma, where can people find out more about what you guys do? Um, you can find us on the web or on Instagram and Facebook, um, all, all um, using world-class grooming. Worldclassgrooming.com. Don't forget your book. You have an excellent book that would make a wonderful Christmas gift for any of the worst people in your life called World Class Grooming. Check it out there. This tip was brought to you by Horseware. Have you ever wanted to own your own Rambo? Well, here's your chance. From October 3rd to November 23rd, receive $50 off any Rambo turnout blanket, including the Rambo Duo, the Optimo, the Original, the Supreme, and all the others in the Rambo turnout line. All you have to do is trade in your old turnout from any brand for a horse in need. Simply visit horseware.com slash trade for more information and fill out the form for the voucher you will need to get your $50 off. The complete list of retailers is at horseware.com slash trade as well. Open to U.S. and Canadian residents only. Go to horseware.com slash trade today and replace that blanket with all the holes for one of the best blankets on the market, the Rambo Turnout line. Tonight, it is my pleasure to have Tina Irwin from Stony Lake Equestrian Center in Canada on the program. She's an FEI rider, trainer, and competitor, and mom of two little kiddos. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm always in awe of you, Tina. You and I have known each other a long time, and I'm just in awe of how you uh, are just such a great competitor and teacher and wife and mom. So I do have to say that right before we get going. Well, thank you very much. It's not always easy to balance everything, but uh, you make it work somehow. Well, you do a great job, and I'm always in awe of, of what you do. Well, Tina, we were so happy to have you on the show because you have had just a fantastic fall uh, with your horse, Lorenzo. Can you tell us about him and, and your experience at Dressage at Devon? Sure, yeah. He's a nine-year-old Oldenburg gelding by Lorenzo Donnerhall which we actually imported him from Germany as a four-year-old. And uh, Jamie, my husband, and I, we found him in Germany. He was actually an ex-jumper, and uh, he wasn't too exciting to look at. He was very plain, and he was small, and he really didn't have um, much of anything that I was looking for. And (laughs) Jamie got on, and he rode him. And I was talking to some clients and I wasn't really paying attention. And then I realized that he was riding him for quite some time. And so I thought, well, he must really like him because normally he doesn't ride a horse very long if he does not. And then he turned to me and he said, you know, I think you need to get on him. So I said, okay. And I got on and I picked up the reins and I trotted him on and I trotted only three steps. And I looked at Jamie and I, I my mouth just dropped and I said oh my god he feels amazing and he said yeah I know and so (laughs) then I kind of tried to have more of a poker face and I continued on (laughs) but you couldn't really see what he developed into now but you could feel the elasticity and the power in his movement so um that was pretty cool so yeah Yeah, I think I'd have uh, to say that he's not he I mean he 
he is no longer very small or unimpressive unimpressive so <laughs> that's quite a yeah. skill to be able to pick out a horse like that you know when when he didn't really show you what what he could be well to be honest i don't think we would have picked that out if we hadn't have sat on him because he really, like I said, he was kind of like the ugly duckling who turned into the beautiful <laughs> swan. And um, through through the training, he just developed into a really, really cool horse. And, uh, you know, there's always a risk, of course, um, purchasing a horse like that to see if you can end up bringing that out of them. But, um, yeah, it, it, it worked in our favor. So that was, it was pretty great. Well, and quite the swan he has turned into. Tell us about Devin. You crushed it, girl. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a really great season for us. Uh, he's been my most successful horse uh, to date. So we have actually won the last 12 competitions or 12 actual classes consecutively. So we did three CDIs in the national show. and We won all of the classes. And... So Devin was just the icing on the cake because it's always a goal to kind of finish off the season and see how you stand up to, you know, most of the competition. It is considered one of the most prestigious shows in North America. So Devin is kind of it. So to go against 40 horses and do well, and then to do well each day we were there was, was pretty awesome. So we just kind of did our thing and, went through the test and we went, um, I was just going for clean tests and nothing too extravagant. And I think he's extravagant enough without pushing him into the high gear. And, uh, yeah, he, he just was awesome. He handled the atmosphere extremely well, which was another reason I wanted to take him there to say, okay, this is now the next step in our training to see you've done really well. Let's now see how you're going to handle people and stadium and you know all the action that Devin has so um that's that was great we did that and he did not let me down that's for sure well let's well, let's we'll let you brag a little bit let's I mean what were the, the scores are pretty high were they not I think I had a I had a 71 in the St. George and then I had a 73 something in the I1 and 77 in the freestyle so I don't remember the decimal points, but yeah, those, those were great scores. I have to say, I think I had one competition where my scores were a little bit higher. Um, the Cedar Valley competition CDI here in Newmarket, Ontario was, I think our best show so far. We actually received 80% from uh, one of the judges in the freestyle, um, Peter Storr from Great Britain. And received our first 10 as well. So that was pretty exciting. And exciting for me to see that an international FEI judge who also I found out later on, he also has um, competed and trained many horses to Grand Prix. So an established rider himself who hasn't really judged us before um, gave us those marks. So I thought that was, that was really quite a compliment and uh, made me really excited about him going forward for the future because of course the small tour is not the end goal it's a stepping stone and obviously we're looking towards trying to make a major team um, at the Grand Prix level so yeah Uh, that's fantastic so uh, you went from Devon went home and then you went to the Charlotte Clinic how did that go for you 
So the Charlotte Clinic, um, we were asked to actually be the demo um, for Charlotte. Charlotte was going to ride Lorenzo and, and demonstrate the Free St. George movement. And then she ended up just having me ride and give me a lesson. And everybody kind of said, well, why did she do that? I said, I don't know. She didn't, she didn't want to ride him. And uh, later on, the organizer of the event, Scott Hayes, he said, well, she thought you were doing such a great job with him that she really couldn't do much more. And she thought that you should ride him. So I thought, Aww, wow, well, that's pretty cool. That's really nice. But I don't think that's the case. I'm pretty sure Charlotte would have been able to get on and, you know, showcase even more, which I would have loved to see. But um, I was happy either way. He was, um, you know, it was fun to ride him in the clinic. There were about a thousand people there. I think it was one of the best events for dressage that someone has put on in, in Ontario for sure. And the turnout was amazing and it was run very, very well. It was first class. I mean, we really had, Scott did an amazing job having, we had 51 VIP tables and other seating and a really great um, catering company. So, and Charlotte of course was the star and uh, was quite funny as a clinician. She really, is great entertaining the audience, but also educating the audience. And, um, you know, she's got a great sense of humor, very British sense of humor, a little bit dry, sarcastic, and uh, had a lot of fun with the riders. So all of the riders were really good sports, I have to say. And yeah, yeah Jamie, we, Jamie being a guy, I mean, he also rode and got a little bit, a little bit more ribbing than, than all the ladies got when you say. Oh, poor Jamie. Totally, totally. But it was, <laughs> it was really funny because he handled it so well and he kind of, you know, played along with it. And, and I think when you have 98% of the audience being women, <laughs> um, you know, you got to play your audience, right? You got to play, you got to know your audience. It was really funny. Oh, yeah. poor Jamie. So, <laughs> he, he didn't mind he thought it was good so yeah it was great riding with her and it was really a pleasure and an honor to meet her and um yeah we yeah Lorenzo handled it like a pro he just went in and to be honest I didn't even feel the difference um with him noticing all these people around the ring he acted like he was at home which was Quite unbelievable, really. So, again, really great opportunity to get my horse into situations like that and be able to ride him and feel what is he going to be like, you know, later on when you go and want to ride in front of thousands of people, not just 1,000 people. <laughs> so, what were some things that you guys worked on? So, we started in the trot, and one of the things Charlotte liked um, as a demonstration for the audience was the fact that, um, you know, I could show a very normal trot and then I could pick them up and then show more of an expressive trot. And so she had me show that. So I started with a little bit of rising trot and stretching, and then she had me pick them up and show the trot that he has learned and developed through training. And um, so that was cool. And then we did, some of the St. George stuff, we showed some shoulder in and half passes. And most of the things we worked on, she was trying to push me a little bit more for going for more expression and going for more marks, more points. So she said, you know, this is good, but now for extra high points, you've got to 
go for more and keep them up a little bit more, more self-carriage. And then we worked on the flying changes, the tempies, and also creating more ground cover, more self-carriage, more expression. And also the same with the canter zigzag in the I-1. We worked on that as well. And just keeping this, the changes a little bit straighter, uh, especially to the left. So, yeah, we worked on, I think, all the things that we definitely needed work on. So it was really great. Yeah, I mean, he looked he looked awesome. And you, you guys did such a great job. And I thought, you know, what a great opportunity for all the spectators to watch you know, like really established professionals like yourself still need to sort of work on things and have somebody on the ground. And, you know, I think that's a great lesson too, that, you know, nobody's perfect and, and everybody's got little things, even if they are just the smallest things, you know, places to pick up points and that we're all striving to try and be perfect. So I thought you did a really great job of, of, uh, of showing everybody that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think it's, it's sometimes not always easy putting yourself out there like that in that kind of a position because you are there to be picked apart and critiqued. Um, but that being said, you know, I'm very open to that as well, more so, I guess, behind closed doors than really in front of thousands <laughs> of people for the most part. <laughs> like everybody, you don't Understood. want to show everyone your mistakes and flaws. But um, you know, if you're not open-minded and, um, willing to accept criticism, then you're not going to improve and progress in your riding. So, um, that's really important. I think, uh, to have that attitude for sure. Yeah. And like you said, it is, it is challenging to do it, but that's how people learn and that's how we all learn. So I think that that's exactly. so cool. I'm sad that I missed it for sure. So <laughs> What's your plans with Laurentia? What's the next stage now? Well, like I said before, the ultimate goal is the Grand Prix. Um, Jamie and I are actually, we were asked to do a demonstration at the Royal Winter Fair. For us, that's kind of a big deal here in Toronto. So we will be doing a pas de deux, uh, the beginning of November. So we got back from the Charlotte cool. Clinic and we, we said, oh, we have to quickly put together choreography. And, and um, <laughs> so we're going to do that, which, again, is going to put the horses in, a, in an atmosphere, which is great. So we keep building on that. Um, but after that, they will definitely have a bit of a break. And then <laughs> we will head to Florida, to Wellington, the beginning of January. And we're there for three months. And the plan is to continue training and competing. I don't think I'm going to be competing Lorenzo at the small tour anymore. I think we've kind of, you know, done what we can do there. And, um, you know, now my goal is to move towards the Grand Prix. So he does do all of the Grand Prix, but it is green. And, of course, it needs to get stronger and better and all of that. So that's the next step. So I'm not sure when exactly we'll come out probably at an I2 or something like that instead of the Grand Prix right away. And of course, in the national division before we do anything internationally, but that is the next step. Um, of course, with horses, it's hard to tell when exactly. So um, I don't really have a timeline on, timeline on it. I'd like to think it would be in Florida, but we'll see how things progress. That makes total sense. And it does. And it's so cool to see how you're developing him. I mean, obviously with the goal of international sport, um, but to see how you're kind of very systematically developing him is really, really cool. Uh, and it's fun to hear you say that and, and how are you getting there and, and 
you know, it may, like you said, teaching him just crowds and how to deal with that type of thing is, is pretty cool to hear. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty lucky in the sense that he's, I'm usually um, good about things like that. Like sometimes even at Devin, I said to Jamie, he feels so relaxed. <laughs> you know, I was like, Oh, I hope I'm going to have enough horse. And then I go into the ring and he just, yep. Okay, here I go. And he just never lets me down. Like he tries so hard. Um, so it's kind of interesting because when you look at his breeding, Lorenzo is actually the grandfather of Lorenzo is Loris Crusader, or the father, sorry, is Loris Crusader, which is thoroughbred. And then Donnerhall, of course, everyone knows. And Donnerhall is really known for his temperament and rideability. So I think it's a really interesting match because I have the sensitivity, but I have a really amazing brain um, and rideability. So like I literally could put our kids on his back and they, our daughter actually, who's two, she will brush him in the cross ties and she puts the hoof polish on him and does whatever. And he literally does not move a muscle, but if you were to get on him and just touch him with the leg, like you don't need the whip. He just flies. So he's really, really sensitive, but um, it's, it's a really interesting match. So I, uh, I think I think that's exactly what you need for the big sport and uh, just lucky that, yeah, we found that. That is so cool. Well, it's so fun to hear how you've developed a horse like him and as you're, you know, and seeing him develop, I've seen him in person and he's a wonderful horse and we wish you all the best of luck. Uh, Tina, how would our listeners uh, find you online? Well, you can find me on Facebook. I'm actually under my maiden name as well so it's under tina bussa irwin and we also have a facebook page for our stable which is stony lake equestrian and we have a website which is stonylakeequestrian.ca fantastic well thanks so much for coming on the show tonight thank you very much for having me it was really uh, a pleasure well we convinced tina to stick around for this week's total saddle fit tip of the week i hope you enjoy This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for this week's Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we have Tina Irwin. She stayed on with us tonight uh, to give us a, a Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. So, Tina, talk to us. There was a big tip that came from the Charlotte Dijardin Clinic. Uh, can, you, can you fill us all in for the people that weren't there? Yeah, well, Charlotte said a lot of great things, of course, but one thing she said that, of course, stood out to many of us is about working on transitions and making sure that every single transition is always executed properly. And she was really quite a stickler on that, which, you know, as a coach and trainer myself, I know exactly what she's talking about as, you know, I teach a lot of people each day and riding horses myself when, you know, you can kind of decide, oh, I'm going to be a little bit lazy and I'm just going to walk or someone walks into the arena and they want to talk to you for a second. So you slam on the brakes and you don't always make that transition as you should, which is not good because of course every time you let your horse get away with these tendencies 
it becomes a habit. <clears throat> and then the next time they make a bad transition, you're kind of kicking or smacking the horse and going, hey, like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? When really, if you allow them to do these transitions all the time, then it just becomes a habit. So it really is no one's fault but your own. So I think that was a really important tip to stay strict and with our own writing and also within teaching our students to not be lazy and really try to make every transition every single time perfect so that when we go into the ring and we make those transitions, we have no surprises and the horse just knows what to do each and every time. I thought it was really funny in the clinic how she, you know, she worked the riders very hard and really working on uh, a lot of things. But when they were sort of done with the exercise that they were working on, she would say, okay, and now walk. And almost everybody, I think you were probably not guilty of this, but almost everybody would just sort of oh, you know, like you just walk and you want to take a breather and you want to give your horse the long reins. And almost every time she was like, nope, not good enough. And then all of a sudden now the rider was having to redo the transition and they didn't really get the break they were really looking for. And so um, I, th I thought that was really, you know, because we all do that, right? We're like, oh, you know, we're working on half pass or working on some flying changes. And then now I just want to walk and have a break and the horse feels it, right? Like feels the rider not sort of paying attention to the detail of that transition. And all of a sudden the horse just sort of falls in the transition and you know the rider doesn't doesn't always pay attention to that because they're so focused on you know the thing they were just doing or what they're going to be doing next and then that transition turns out to be sort of crummy and and then and charlotte was great she was just like nope do it again and and she almost almost caught everybody so that was it was sort of oh, a comical yeah. it was a comical <laughs> moment you know but not really you know it was like yeah this is serious and you've got to do every transition perfect yes exactly she was really paying attention to the detail and I guess that is what makes her the best rider in the world's <laughs> double gold medalist you know I think we have a lot to learn there and, you know she made a good point too like oh you know it's so easy to check your phone and do this and do that when you're riding and we're all guilty of that and it is such a bad habit because I know I do that for sure because I look at my walk break sometimes as a chance to catch up on other things and uh, so I've made a mental note and kind of, okay, put that aside and really stay focused. And um, yeah, so, you know, it can happen to all of us, professionals and amateurs for sure. And so I, I really agree with Charlotte that it was good to reinforce that to kind of, you know, we all need to have a little bit of a tune up, a brush up and kind of go, yeah, I am doing a little, a little tap with the whip, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like Charlotte says, um, pat the horse, slap the rider. That was one of her phrases. I like it. <laughs> and, but yeah, that's so good because the horses are just a reflection of us for sure. So if we let them get away with that, then they will take advantage. And uh, yeah, she, I, I definitely agree. It was, it was yeah. really good to reinforce that. Yeah, and that makes total sense. Right now, um, we have a really big, our final event of the year. So everyone's been coming and, and really trying to work on their eventing tests and, and get everything right. And that's been a huge thing this week. I'm like, look, you guys, look at how many scores transitions are in your test. And I would challenge everyone to do it. There's a lot of transition scores in every one of the dressage tests that you do. So you can really, in, in, in the, this case, they're all working on like yields and counter canner. And I said, well, that's great. 
but your transition scores are equal to, and you have more of them than you do of the actual kind of harder, in quotation marks, movements. So if you don't pay mm-hmm. attention to that stuff, it adds up. And like you said, we're all guilty of it, myself included, all of us, but the week of the horse show is maybe not the time to really focus on it. No. I mean, it helps, but you know, just think about it. It's a little late when you're showing on Friday and we're working yeah. on it on Tuesday, but, but yeah. better to work on it than never. But, um, that would be also what I would say too, is make sure that you really take your time and you do uh, your due diligence throughout the whole year, not ta- take your cell phone, not answer a call, not stop and talk to your friend, you know, so all of those things. So I think it's just a great reminder, but also something that we all uh, could could use. Well, Tina, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. And how do our listeners find you online? Well, you can find me on Facebook, of course, which is I'm under Tina Bussett Irwin, and also we have a Facebook page for our stable, which is Stony Lake Equestrian, and we have a website, which is stonylakeequestrian.ca. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Well, this week, Phil, we had a great time. We had lots of stuff to talk about about the clinic, and like I said, I'm so bummed. I I missed it, but it was so fun to hear all the things uh, that came out of the clinic, and As always, we will get to, uh, we love Facebook and email shout outs, uh, and we will get back to those next week. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to get in touch with me is through Facebook or my email as philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 